as you're on your way to your seats, give your neighbor a, a high five or a hug or something. Anyone around you, anyone near you, just give some warm Christmas love. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. You guys were crispy this morning. Let's give the worship team a hand clap for ushering in the presence of God. Praise God. Wow, it is smoky. I can't see any of you. Um, Welcome to Highlight Church. If this is your first time, we want to honor you and welcome you here. Uh, We're a pretty tight-knit family, um, and we just love having you. Let's give it up for our first-time guests. Welcome them. I forgot. Um, awesome. What was I, I, want, I need to make a few disclaimers. Last week we were talking about fasting and how we're going to enter uh, January on a 21-day fast. <laughs> and um, yeah, very, someone's excited out there. There it is. Um, hey, look, you're going to be able to eat, okay? So don't worry. It's, it's not like Moses and Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. Thank you, Chris. Let's give it up for Chris, everybody. He's the man. Yeah, it's not like water, you know, or no water, no food. You have different types of fasts. You have the Daniel's fast, uh, fruit, vegetables, water, fruit, juice. You have what's called a partial fast where you don't eat something, say, from... 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., and then you can just eat all you want after 3. Um, you, have, uh, you have the all-water fast. Typically, when we, when we do our 21-day fast, the first three days, all water. Uh, and then we transition into the Daniel's fast for the last 18. Um, we do this for many reasons. We're going to be teaching on fasting for the entire month of January. And, I mean, fasting is all throughout Scripture. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, not if you fast. He said, but when you fast, which lets me know that uh, as a follower of Christ, um, it's not necessarily a requirement, but it is expected because there's something connected to fasting in my walk of faith that God wants to uh, operate in. So I want to offer my body. I want to offer my time. I want to just... Um, create a space in my heart um, and in my life for God to to operate. And so we typically just give God uh, the first 21 days of the year. Um, Based on Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and everything you need will be added unto your life. So we're going to teach about that. Please don't disappear. Um, You don't have to join us all 21 days. You can try three days. You don't have to fast at all. Uh, you can just pick up our booklet and read through it. You can do the, we have a 21-day devotional. You can go through that with us, but we invite you into it. Maybe, maybe you try a day or three days or five days. Um, I just encourage you to, to whatever you do, to, to try it by faith. I thought that was the Holy Ghost or something back there. <laughs> try it by faith and uh, watch God move throughout your year. Is that good? Sounds good. Well, we... We're having a standalone message today. We won't have a a Christmas Eve worship experience. Um, So we're going to see you guys on January the 1st. Uh, This is going to be like a a New Year's message. Um, Our fast starts on January 8th through the 29th. 
So January 1st is going to be amazing. I'll be preaching on new, new beginnings. Or, you, know, you know how it goes. Um, but today we are going to talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. Is that good? Join me in Luke chapter 2. We're going to go verses 8 through 19. Just going to dive in here. That night, <clears throat> there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel re- reassured them, don't be afraid. I'm talking way too soft. That's an exclamation point, isn't it? Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Please, if you have a highlighter or if you're paying attention, like try to photographically remember that part. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. We're going to be expounding on that. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. Remember last week we talked about asking greatly. Um, The prophet Isaiah was attempting to give King Ahaz a sign. This is the historical fulfillment that that sign actually happened. And because we can trust God's promises in the future and what he's done in our lives in the past, we can certainly trust him with our lives today. Um, So we got to ask greatly and have great faith. You will recognize him by this sign. You will uh, find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now, this manger wasn't like a a box with pillows and cotton and, and, and just good stuff. A manger is a feeding trough. This is where the horses and, and the goats would used to eat from. So the, the incarnate God comes from heaven, and we put him in a sloppy trove. And that, that just preaches something amazing. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, I'm glad I serve a God that, that, uh, that's humble, and, and he, he came in the form of a baby. Glory to God in the highest. We're going to go here, verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who, were, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And I'm glad she did. Let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for this hour. Not literally an hour, but thank you for this time. Lord, give me the grace to preach your word. Give us the ears and the hearts to receive what it is you have to say. And allow us to leave these doors changed and transformed by your power and your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was doing some research recently on, like, family games for Christmas. Captain Robert Stanley is in the building. I know this is on podcast, but let's give it up to Captain Robert Stanley. I miss you, man. 
Yeah, I was researching some family games uh, for, for the holidays, and there's, there's nothing different about this list, be it holidays or not. Um, you have Monopoly, um, chess. Uh, down south, we have checkers because we're not as astute. Um, you know, you just jump your player and king me, and you jump, and we're done. All this moving and moving around and all this king stuff, I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, um, what, what surprised me, most of them were board games, but there was one game as I was doing my research, top 10 in any list, there's this game, and I believe we've all played it, called the telephone game. Like a lot of families like to play the, the, the telephone game. And I think most of us played it while in school. Um, show of hands, telephone game, experts, retirees, <laughs> hung up your jersey. Um, it's always fun. If we had time, I would illustrate it. I would call up 10 people, and I would start it, and it would go to the end, and someone would mess it up along the way. Um, what we're dealing with in this, in this verse is somewhat of a, of a telephone game. Um, we, we, we see the shepherds in the field, and we see this angel appear um, with, with, an, a mess, with, with a message. What we can ascertain is that, or what we can assume is that God was in heaven sitting on the throne, and he told an angel, you know, my son is going to be born in Bethlehem, and pass it on, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. And it finally gets to the last angel, and the last angel is dispatched from heaven, and he goes into the earth, and he tells the world. Um, But before the birth of the Savior, there was another telephone game that existed which was, hey, Mary, you're going to conceive a child of, of the Holy Spirit. The, the power of God is going to overshadow you. You're going to miraculously conceive a child. You're going to name him Jesus because he's going to take away the sins of all, all people. And, yeah, just accept that and go with it. And I love Mary's response. I think you're going to find it uh, in Luke 1. She says, Lord, I am your servant. Do what it is you want to do. Have your way. I'm your servant. And so she gives birth to the Savior. And then it gets to Joseph from another angel. Another angel comes, and it gets to the world, and it it just kind of all gets mixed up. But we're going to clean it up here. The original message, whenever you play the telephone game, has the, the tendency to become tainted and twisted. I like to think around member number three or four, something happens. Maybe you didn't hear someone correctly. But for whatever reason, it just completely becomes different than the original message. But I want to thank God for the author of the book of Luke. This guy is actually pretty interesting. Luke is a Gentile physician. He's not a Jewish man. He, um, he followed Paul, which we're not going to talk about this morning. Paul was an evangelist, an apostle. He would go around the world and preach about Jesus Christ. He would plant churches here, 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 here. Paul had hundreds of thousands of, of, of followers or, what would you say, members of the churches that he planted. And Luke would go with Paul. Eventually, Paul was going to be arrested and persecuted for his faith and his work for Jesus. I like to tell people a lot of times that when you're following Jesus, uh, there ought to be certain times in your life where you end up in trouble for your faith. Um, if no one knows that you're a follower of Christ... 
and, and you're just kind of smooth and you're fitting in. I mean, I, I don't know if, if you are following him fully. I, I don't know if, if no one has persecuted you, if no one has talked about you, if no one has made you feel bad about your faith in Jesus. I don't know if you're fully following him. And so uh, we know this because our Lord is hung on a cross. Paul is beheaded. Peter is, is hung on a cross upside down because he thought it not worthy to follow Jesus. So I'm just saying, you know. So um, Paul gets arrested. This gives Luke the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem and interview people. And he interviews eyewitnesses, followers of Christ, real people. Luke is a real man with a real message. And he received a message from the disciples and the eyewitnesses. I think more importantly was that he received a message from the mother of Jesus. Luke 1 verses 1 through 4 says this. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. We believe that Theophilus was a high-ranking government official, or if we define the Greek correctly, this could have been a, a larger church group in Rome. Historians have a debate about that. Verse 4, so you can be certain that the truth of everything, about the truth of everything you were taught. What, what Luke is saying is that my book is based on historical, real eyewitness accounts. So when you read this, it's important to understand that the Christian faith is based on facts. A lot of unbelievers and scientists like to say that our stories are myths, that these people didn't exist, that Jesus is a big old conspiracy and all this, or that he truly is dead and they've hit in the body or they've thrown it in a lake or they burnt the body or they got rid of it. A lot of people will attempt to discredit your faith, but based upon this, based upon a real man who we have historically documented, lived, Luke, he's saying that this book is real. And it also says that we can, we can ascertain these things because Luke, we know, interviewed Jesus' disciples based upon what he said, including the mother of Jesus, who was also a real woman. She conceived Christ, she gave birth to him, and she saw his adulthood. She was there when her son died, and she met the resurrected Christ. I think a lot of times in society, when it comes to Jesus, I don't know if we've experienced him here. I believe a lot of people experience Christ emotionally you would probably want to go the other way around, right? Like, okay, if you experience him here, you really need to experience him here to, to, to believe he's real and to, and to, you know, really follow him. I think Luke is introducing us to a new, a new concept. I believe we experience him here a lot, but I don't know if we really think that Jesus is real or that he's actually alive in heaven. Because I believe what you think about Jesus has the power to alter your life. And so I tell people a lot of times, when I read the Bible, here's a pro tip for you. When you read the Bible, 
take it literally. Everything in this Bible is true. Everything in this Bible is real. Everything in this Bible has happened, is happening, or will happen. Everything in this Bible applies to your life. A lot of people, I can't read the Bible, it's boring. And I say, no, you're boring. Have you ever read the stories in the Old Testament? Your little drama on Facebook or at work has nothing, has no, no, no type of bearing on what happened in the Scripture. Man, you got broken homes. You got this person cheating on this person. This person killing this person. This person's confused. This person's called by God, but they got 10 different women. How are you called by God, but God is still using you? It it makes no sense how our heroes are just as imperfect as we are. And so we have God, the angel, Mary, Luke. Luke chooses to maintain the original message for you and I. And so there's a message that God wants us to receive from the birth of his son. This is a message of freedom, joy, and the hope of everlasting life. I want to pull out three points today um, about Luke 2, 8 through 19. Point number one is this. Three messages within this grander message of the birth of Jesus. Point number one is this. The breaking news is good news for all. The breaking news is good news for all. You know, so we have CNN and MSNBC and Fox, your local stations. I remember where I was when September 11 happened. I was a freshman in high school, uh, third third class, uh, English class. And uh, my teacher popped it on the TV, and everyone was fearful. So we went home early. I remember where I was when 9-11 happened. I'm sure we all do. Um, And then you turn on the news and breaking news, someone has just been shot, someone has just been killed, Um, an explosion has happened. It's just always, breaking news always seems to be bad news. And there's a reason for that. It's it's actually funny. I found a stat that says breaking news uh, is mostly bad news, and bad news outweighs good news on TV 17 to 1. 17 to 1. There is a reason for this. Um, Humans seek news of dramatic events. Psychology has proven that we seek the news of drama and and traumatization. Um, Therefore, the news covers more bad news than good news. There's some kind of sickness that's involved. There's some kind of illness in the human nature that's just drawn to negativity. And we want to hear that stuff. And uh, I love this, too. We care more about the threat of bad than the prospect of good. That's what psychology research has also proven. Uh, We are more fearful than happy. I don't know any person that walks around that just, they're happy all the time. I, I don't know. If they are, chances are they're lying. And they put on a mask. Um. I know for me, if I see a, a, a number pop up on my cell phone, I'm not going to pick it up because I think it's a bill collector. I don't have any money to give you. Um, I'll give it to you when I get it. Maybe not. That's why you're calling me. <laughs> um, a, a, another one is, uh, you know, when, when, you're, when your job is calling or when your boss has called you into the office, someone's shaking their head back there. No, no, no. And so... Uh, 
shepherds, we, we understand they were normal people too. I don't have time to teach about them. I could preach a whole sermon about shepherds and, and the type of people they were and how they relate to us. They were normal people used to hearing bad news. So this angel appears just out of nowhere. And the Bible doesn't give us details about angels, but in Isaiah, you have a class of angels called the seraphim. The seraphim, we know, have six wings, six wings, so two, 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 and um, you, their wings aren't this small. Their wings are probably huge. So the Bible says this angel appears, and I'm sure he's floating in air with his huge wings, and he's like 10, 12 feet tall, and the first thing, the shepherds, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid. They, oh, my God, they're afraid. They're afraid. And so the first thing the angels say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what God looks like. Don't be afraid of what God may be calling you to. Don't be afraid if God is drawing you towards him. Don't be afraid to commit to the Father. Don't be afraid of God's glory in your life. Don't be afraid if I want to take you here, but you just don't know what that looks like. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you're normal. I know you work a nine to five. I know life is hard. I know all you hear is bad news. I know it gets tough. But don't be afraid when I put a dream in your heart that's bigger than the present existence that you currently reside in, that you currently operate in. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So that's the first thing he says. Don't be afraid. The breaking news is good news. It's nothing to fear. And so, but what I like more than, more than the angel's uh, appearance is the, phraseolo- the phrase that he used. He, he uses good news. The, hey, uh, Silas, my man. The phrase he uses, he, he says, good news. Ah, oh, I don't have time, and I'm going to have to cut this message kind of short because um, there's so much to teach. He says, good news. The people of that time would have been used to hearing the term or the phrase Good news. Who was ruler at this point? Because Israel is within the Roman province of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Israel is a Roman province. It's, it's under the Roman government's authority and power. At this time, Augustus Caesar is the Roman emperor. This is the nephew of Julius Caesar. Follow me. It's going to get good. Just stay with me. Stay with me. Don't, don't lose me. This is the nephew of Julius Caesar. He rose to power in 31 BC after many years of civil war. Um, His uncle was assassinated around 44 BC, and uh, he rises to power and he becomes number one. His name used to be Octavian. He changes his name from Octavian to Augustus. Um, Wow, someone's following me. So when when he enters into power, he enters Rome into a 200-year time of peace and prosperity. And what what actually came of this or developed was the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Um, And so Rome is northern Africa, Iraq, all the way out to Italy and what we know as today as modern Europe. And he's continually, he, he continues to push the frontier even the wider. Rome is at peace. They're doing great. And uh, life is just all peachy. Rome, because of his great leadership, ascribes deity to the emperor. So they raise him up as a son of God or as a son of the gods. 
And so they referred to him as Kyrios and Soter, Lord and Savior. On the Roman coin with Augustus' face on it, it says, Savior for us and those to come, to make war to cease and order everywhere. So what, what would happen is whenever Rome would have a great victory in the world, heralds or messengers would be sent throughout the empire. And they would say, hell to Augustus, good news, evangelion, gospel, good news, we've just had a victory. Or whenever it was his birthday, they would say, today is the birth of Augustus, the man to which whom come through all gladness unto us. So they would ascribe lordship and savior to Augustus, a man. He was their Messiah. So the shepherds would have understood when this angel appeared out of heaven that this was an authentic message from God. That this was actually the time that they had been waiting for for centuries. That their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents had all told them about the Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. The Savior is here. And I don't know about you, but no president, I don't, I don't care how great he's been, my mom, my grandma, my dad, no friend, no cousin, has ever been able to give me full hope, full freedom, full deliverance. No one that I know, no one that I love so much or believe in so much has ever been able to set up a context in my life where I've been able to fully flourish or to fully be fulfilled. I don't care. I, I love him. I, I honor him. I respect him. I don't care how great President Obama has been or how great President Trump probably will be. But he does not have the power to bless my life. He does not have the power to set me free. He does not have the power to fulfill me. And so they ascribe this stuff to a man. Your husband don't, doesn't. I don't as your pastor. Your kids can't. Nobody can. You should put no pressure on any man, any human being to bless you at that level. Or you shouldn't ascribe any deity to anybody other than Jesus Christ. So the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The birth of, God, the birth of God's son, not ruling in heaven, but coming down to earth to set all things right in your life. To set all things right in your life. The word Savior means deliverer. He says, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. So number one, we understand that a deliverer was born. A deliverer. What does he deliver us from? Well, our dysfunction. Our, our anger. Our confusion. Our sadness our hopelessness, um, our family history. He wants to do a new thing through you. He delivers us from addictions that have reigned supreme in our lineage for four or five generations. Those are spiritual strongholds that Jesus has the power to deliver you from, me from. This person was divorced. This person got divorced. This, this, this person, domestic violence. This person on drugs. This, this, this. And Jesus is saying at some point it has to stop with you. Right. Come on. And I came to set you free from that. 
So I want to set you free from sin and the effects of it, and then I want to deliver you into the hands of God and into the plans of God. So he's a savior. What Rome was looking for, not just Rome, but even the Jewish people, they were looking for a warrior Messiah. Hell Augustus. Hell Augustus. We got to get that person in office. He's going to make all things right. No, he's not. He never could and he never would. The only person that can make things right in your life is Jesus Christ. Come on now. The only, the only person that can make things right in this nation is Jesus Christ. This is why we don't allow political division in Highlight Church. We are the church. I don't care who's in office. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that's who we serve. That's whose agenda we push. And then he says, good news. Everything that has ever tried to bind me, stop me, or break me, Jesus has the power to set me free from. Everything, everything, that's, that's good news. And I no longer have to live in fear and hopelessness. That sounds good, Pastor. Some of you are probably saying, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I did last night. don't know what I did last week. Um, or some of you are saying, hey, I've been church hurt. It's a miracle I'm even sitting in here today. Been church hurt. Some of you will say, well, you know, I don't know if I believe in God or in Jesus. I prayed a few times. It didn't work. Coming to find out through science, all this stuff is a lie. I just want to say this. No matter how you feel or what you've been through, that's not going to stop God from pursuing you. Your disbelief doesn't stop Jesus from waking you up in the morning and putting your feet on solid ground and giving you breath to breathe. Jesus was born in a context where people worship multiple gods. That didn't stop him from being born. He's always going to pursue your heart, whether you believe in him or not. He still loves you. The good news is for everyone, black, white, poor, rich, middle class, upper middle class, Indian, Asian, Hispanic. We can clap it up. The good news is for everyone. This is why the angel says, good news that brings great joy to all, all, all people. Point number two, I want to talk about peace without a price. Thank God wants to talk about peace without a price. Verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, to those with whom God is pleased. Um, we were eating breakfast, uh, what was it, Friday. Uh, my wife got up and cooked, and um, it was my two boys and I and her, and we sat down and we ate together. And it's funny because since we've moved here, we've only been able to do this about maybe four times. We've been here almost seven months. And uh, my oldest son, he makes the observation. He says, wow, Mom, you cook and you're eating with us. That's, that's like amazing, and the eggs are good. Because he, he, was, he was going for it, man. Can Daddy cut the eggs, and can you do the waffles? He's pretty much saying, can you pop in the waffles? Because that's easy. Dad's egg, my eggs are amazing. I'm not going to brag. 
Um, but you, you did pretty good. You didn't burn them, you know. They weren't undercooked. Tasted the turkey and the cheese in it. So um, he made that observation, and I had a response for it because I, I wanted him to understand the, the, the value of, of what was going on in the moment. I said, son, um, the reason why you, I, and your brother are able to eat every morning um, is because of the price that your mom pays throughout the week to make sure we're fed, clothed, sheltered, and cared for. Um, my wife is a full-time nurse. I'm full-time pastor, but not on staff yet. No one, no one at this church is on staff yet. And so um, she, she is her sacrifice, is her dedication. It's the price that she pays throughout the week to make sure that we're fine. And um, I had to let that be known um, because we have the peace of having a, a fridge full of food and warm clothes and shelter over our head simply because she's at the hospital breaking her back five, six times per shift. And uh, if that speaks that I'm any less of a man, so what? Don't judge me. Um, but thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Um, I think this is... You, you want to switch positions like th- this is this up here is tough. And then like Monday through Saturday, you got to deal. I'm pastor. This is dead. And I need your help. And I need your prayers. Like we can switch it off. And I would happily be a nurse any day other than being a pastor. It's quite tough. So there's a price that we pay for peace. Casualties of war. You guys got to yeah, follow me today. Number one, I'm a little tired. So like draw out these principles. So casualties of war, the Civil War, um, in order for there to be freedom in, in, in our world, um, people die in order for there to be peace. Um, in order for you to have the peace of graduation, long nights studying, tears, crying, not knowing if you failed or passed, the peace of graduation. Oh, wow. The peace of a successful marriage in relationships. There has to be communication. There has to be um, an agreement that what you did was wrong. What I did was wrong. Now let's come together and let's find a solution in order so that there can be peace. There's a price. We pay a high price for peace in this world. But have you ever noticed how everything on the outside during certain seasons of your life, it's all good? But everything on the inside... What is that? The bills are paid. This is good. This is good. Like, what's going on in my heart? Like, there's no peace. I can't sleep. This is because peace can't be produced. But it can be passed on from the hands of the Father into us. Peace cannot be produced. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Watch this. The angel says, peace. Go back to verse 14 for me, Lance. The angel says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to, to those whom God is pleased. God is pleased with his son. One of the, the nicknames of Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. The word Jerusalem means city of peace. He is the God of peace. 
He is the one that holds peace in his hands. The way we gain access to this peace is through faith. Whenever you give your heart to Jesus, and even for my Christians, look, let me help you out. You have to give your heart to Jesus Christ every morning. If you're going to have peace in life. Every, every morning before you go to work. Every day before you enter into that difficult conversation. Every morning before you wake up in, in that dysfunction in your home. You have to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Because what he wants to do through the power of the Holy Spirit is give you peace for that day. Give you peace for that week. Give you peace for that situation and circumstance. Now, the father is pleased with his son, but it's through faith and trust that his son is savior, that he's delivered us, that we gain access to that peace. Does that make sense? And so it says it here. um, Peace with God because of what I love this because peace with God. Peace with God. Let's work this for a minute. So peace with God. Peace with God is like, okay, I've been made right with the Father. He's the only one that can judge me. He's the only one that can give me passageway through my faith in Jesus into heaven or send me to hell when I die. Because Jesus has done what he's done, and I put faith in Christ, I now have peace with God. It's as simple as that. Peace with God is the foundation by which peace flows into every area of our lives. If you don't have peace, and if you have long-term tension, stress, depression, chances are you don't have peace with God. Or chances are you're not reminded or informed with your status with the Father and how much he loves you, how much he's done for you, how much he's currently doing in your life, and how much he's going to do in your life. Because you're right with the Father, you have peace. Because you've accepted Christ, talking to my believers now, because you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have peace. Peace is not something we can seek. It's not something we can buy. You have peace. And this is what I want to say. Maybe this message isn't for you today. Because, you know, this one is, I like this one. I like when I studied this one. You know why? Because I'm 29. And if I'm alive until I'm 80, that lets me know there's a lot more I'm going to go through in this life. As long as I have Jesus, I can have the peace to know that even though it's hell on the outside, I can be whole and put together in that peace on the inside. And that's what, you don't need a Messiah. You don't need more money. You don't need new relationships. You don't need a new church. You don't need this church. What you need is peace. Because when you have peace, you're settled, you're unmovable, you're untouchable, you're not tempted easily, you're not confused easily, because you have peace with the Father, and you know he has you. And so it says here, if I have peace with God, I can have peace with people. But before I have peace with people, I have to have peace with myself. A lot of us don't have peace with people because we're too busy all day condemning ourselves. When God's up in heaven, like, why are you beating yourself up? I'm at peace with you when I sent my son. There's no beef. I love you. Accept that. Walk in that. Be at peace with yourself. Stop disliking someone that doesn't even know you dislike them. Stop holding a grudge against someone that's living happy. They've moved on. Be at peace. 
Be at ease. Is that the word? Be at ease, soldier. I don't know. I'm just trying to try it out a little bit. (laughs) If we're at peace with God, we're at peace with ourselves, we're at peace with people, we can be at peace in any circumstance. In the Greek, the word peace means to, I love this, it means to join or to tie together. Um, so this is here, this is here. God wants to join or tie it all in. Um, it also means to live well. And for a lot of Christians, we go to work um, and we see our, our supervisors, our coworkers, they're tripping out. Oh, my gosh, I need a drink. I need, oh, happy hour. Oh, my gosh. They're, they're tripping out. And they're wondering why you're just, la, la, la. I know y'all not like that, but life is good. And it's simply because they don't have peace. They don't have peace. There have been many uh, experiences for for you and I, uh, specifically uh, over the past four years, that have given us great reason to give up on the calling, and the peace of God. Uh, There have been many reasons before I even proposed to you that uh, I otherwise wouldn't have proposed to you. Um, But those were the nights I often went home and locked my door, uh, put on some worship music, and just prayed for peace. There are going to be many times, and some of us are probably in the middle of these situations right now, where the income doesn't match up with the bills, be it for your business or your personal life. It, it just It's getting tough. And then you get sick, and now you can't go to work. So that next check is going to be short. And psychology has proven that we care more about the threat of bad than the prospect of good. What we've learned to do and I think the devil hates this so much. Um, um, thank God I'm not with my notes. My notes is kind of holding me back from just ministering. Um, what we like to do when situations aren't as we want them to be, we like to panic. What we've come to start doing is looking at a tight situation or a bad situation and knowing, knowing that God is already at work. Oh, my God. Satan can't do anything with that. Oh, my God. He's like, ah, I can't do anything with you. Ah. And then he goes on to the next person. Ah, you're easy. You know, but no, we, we've, we, we've been able to see God like just this is it. Our kid is sick. That doesn't line up. This person is asking stupid questions. They may leave the church. <laughs> You're still God. You're still going to provide. You have to get to that place in your heart. Even for those of you that feel lonely, you have to understand that God is working on the hearts of others to be in relationship with you. And that because that person walked out, 
It doesn't mean that that's the death sentence of your relationship status in the world. There are more men out there, women. For the girlfriends that lose girlfriends, there are more ladies out there who are probably more mature than those girlfriends that left your life and that don't want to change. From a man out there who you're tired of drinking, you're tired of smoking, you're tired of sleeping around. And you, you, you need men in your life who are going to challenge you and hold you accountable. Just because those dudes don't want to roll, that's them. But let me tell you this. They're going to be regretting that they didn't join you in their path in following Christ in about five to ten years. Believe me, I see it happen today. You have to have peace that when the odds stack up against you, the Savior has already saved you, and he's still at work. Come on now. He's already saved you. Jesus was born because it's God's heart for you to be whole. It's God's heart for you to be whole. Um, Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You stay peaceful when you stay put. You stay peaceful when your thoughts stay put on Jesus Christ. The greatest gifts are the ones that we can't give ourselves, and God has given us peace without a price through Jesus. Point number three, and we're heading home. I think in the bigger story of the birth of our Savior, I'm saying our Savior because the Bible does say he is the Savior of the world. And so uh, it also says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So you'd rather confess now than then when he comes back. The birth of our Savior, I think that third message in the telephone game from Luke to us is share the story. Share the story. Verse 16 through 19 says this, They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought often about them. I'm glad she did because she was able to live to tell Luke. The shepherds told everyone about all they had seen and all that God had done. My grandmother, who has since passed about four years ago, every morning, as far back as I can remember, she was up at 5 a.m. Dang, I left the Bible home. Ah. She was up at 5 a.m., and she, um, she would be reading her Bible, highlighter, notebook, pen, and a pencil, and she would have preachers on the TV. And growing up as a Young boy and a teenager, like, okay, Grandma, this is weird, but cool. (laughs) And um, she would also tell me stories of God's goodness. She had a pretty tough testimony. My grandma was a Moses of sorts, um, if you know Moses' testimony. (laughs) 
I didn't know this. My mom told me that about Moses. So you read Moses' story, you figure out what he did, and then God still called him. You understand that. I didn't know that. My mom told me. My grandma was into some stuff. So she told me about that eventually. Um, She was the mother of three daughters, single mom, raised in Alabama. Um, She always had three and four jobs at a time. And she would tell me how Jesus did this and Jesus provided here and God did this and he did this. And it it really added substance to why she was up at 5 a.m. reading her Bible, taking notes and listening to preachers. And we never know the power of stories. But every time she would tell me her story, it was like seed in my heart. And how they influence your life. So I'm, I'm in college, sophomore year, uh, October 16th, when we launched our church, 2006. I give my life to Jesus at a six-people, six-person Bible study. And I call my grandma that next day and my mom, and I tell them the decision I made. They're celebrating on, on the phone. They're amazed. I go home for Christmas a month and a half later, Christmas break, and I get three things. <laughs> Socks underwear in a, I wish I would have brought it because now it's broken and and the the spine is all jacked up. Women, let me just tell you something. If they say that if if your man's Bible is put together, chances are that their life isn't. But if if their Bible ain't put together, chances are their lives are pretty good. Man, don't get offended. It's just a saying. It's just a phrase, (laughs) just a preacher thing. Okay, let me get my, 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 my stuff going here. Okay, anyway, a a thick King James black study Bible. And I said, Grandma, thank you. And I I cried like a baby again, like when I first had got saved two months earlier. And she cried, bawling. You're you're welcome, baby. Oh, my God, this is the greatest decision you've ever made. She cried like a baby. Because I think she knew the power that my decision was going to have and, and the effect and the impact that it, that it made. It was the greatest decision I had ever made in my life. Her stories of Jesus' love and goodness had a direct impact on how I would receive Jesus Christ. And now I live to tell his story because how much he has done for me. I, I like the shepherds here because when they found the baby, when they found the confirmation of God's faithfulness and the prophecy, as soon as they found it, they went and told. Here's my challenge. Believers, first. Because the Bible says that judgment is going to start in the house of God. And and this is, I'm going back to the college me now, so watch this. I, I hope to offend some of you to the point that I make you move. If I were to go on your Facebook page... Would I find Jesus, Jesus' name, black and white, anywhere on your page? Or would I see your beautiful kids, your blessings, your peace, your trips, your adventures? Would I see a scripture anywhere? Would I see the goodness that God has done through this church in your life anywhere? 
Or would I see the last party you went to, the last friend you connected with? What will I see? What will I see? What, what, what does God see when he sees your life? Is your life a mirror or is it a window? Is your life all about you or is it uh, when you come, can you present a window for people to see out and to see Jesus through your life? Is it about you or is it about him and them? And a lot of people ask me, how did you get seven people to move up here? I'll tell you how I got them to move up here. I made them think, believe, and accept that their lives were all about Jesus Christ. You have to become unashamed of the good news. God wants you to share the story, black and white, unadulterated. You have to get on fire. You have to be convinced. You have to be a fanatic. You have to be a freak. If your life is going to change, if the city's going to change, if your workplace is going to change, if, if everything about you and about life is going to change, you have to become a fanatic. And so the shepherds, they go and they tell and they talk and they say, Jesus is here. He is the man. Everyone is astonished. Lives are changed. Power is released. Provision is set forth. Promises are fulfilled because they become fanatical about the name of Jesus Christ. Um, we got to do better, church. When you're a believer... Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. Start praying with your coworkers. Start praying for your supervisor. Start serving them better. Pay for their lunch. Take them out. We got to do better, church. My non-believers, I'm not going to push you away. But you've heard the story. And all believers have come to this point. Maybe it's not time for you to tell about who Christ is, but maybe it's time for you to accept the story. It's time for you to accept the story of the sacrifice of Jesus, his love, his goodness. I've seen those that were raised in the church, and you would have thought, that they had accepted the story, but they're still on their journey. Then I've seen those who have wanted nothing to do with God, and the love of God hits their hearts, and they accept the story. And to this day, they're doing amazing things. And so as we enter Christmas, we're thinking about who are we buying gifts for? What does this person want? What does this person want? What I came to find out that Christmas when I came home was that the greatest gift, because I was a broke college kid, the greatest gift that I could give my mom and grandma was a changed life in Jesus. And to this day, they're very proud of me. I'm not like my other siblings. I'm different because Christ has made me different. The greatest gift for my non-believers that you can give your loved ones, your kids, your future kids, your parents, your husband, your future husband and wives is a changed life in Jesus. Because that's going to determine the trajectory of those relationships and those destinies in your life. And so 
We're going to call the worship team up. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing. Look, I, I know that this message was, it was kind of all over the place. It's, it's just a Christmas. I think it was a heart-to-heart more than anything. It's just a Christmas message of the reminder of the birth of Jesus and the message that God is trying to get to us. I want to pray a prayer of blessing. Then we're going to open up the opportunity for you to give your life to Christ. Lord, I pray that you would bless everybody in here, God, every family represented, every individual. Jesus, you hear our hearts. You know our thoughts. Father, I would just pray that you would bring peace into our minds. God, I pray that you would lift up every burden that we came in here with. Jesus, I pray that you would deliver and set free even now. God, I pray that any issues in our family, any issues in our workplace, God, that you would give us the grace and the strength to push forward, to trust you. Lord, thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you, God, that you were born. Thank you, God, that you came to live a perfect life, a life that we can't live. Thank you, God, that you died on that cross for our sins. And Lord, thank you for a new beginning. Because you were born, we can be reborn, and we can be made new, even this morning. Thank you, God, that we can enter 2017 differently than 2016. Lord, we love you. We praise you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.